and coming home from a client site with my brother, lamenting about how I was gonna make this <laughs> oh so important decision that I decided was the center of the universe once again, and he was patiently listening. And he just turned to me and he was like, look, the world's a big place, like you can do something else. And there was something about the simplicity, right, that just hit me, <laughs> I was like, in the big place and I just started crying and I'm like I don't cry and I'm like 30,000 feet in the air on a plane and I'm like crying and I'm like I can go I can do this welcome to open honest and direct a podcast sharing stories from powerful leaders and what it takes to unlock your team's potential each episode will take a behind-the-scenes look at how to build a high-performing team from the leaders who built them today we are lucky to have Laura Coe Laura co-founded Lithuanian Corporation, a healthcare company serving over 350,000 patients every month from around the country. When Lithuanian sold to a Fortune 500 company, Laura took the path less often taken, leaving corporate America to pursue her lifelong passions of philosophy, writing, coaching, and helping others implement spiritual teachings into their everyday lives. She wrote her first book, Emotional Obesity, and now hosts a popular podcast, The Art of Authenticity. On today's episode, Laura takes us through her journey, sharing how she knew it was time to leave and what life was like for her on the other side. Welcome on, Laura. It is a blast to have you here. I'm thrilled to finally have you on the podcast, having so many conversations over lunch and coffee and, and hearing your story and your journey. I knew it was one that our listeners would love to hear. So thank you for being on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to participate and continue with our amazing chats. The chats will go in whatever direction they do, as they always do. <laughs> yeah. I'll start us off with the direction, though. You co-founded a very successful healthcare tech company with your brother. You sold it. You left. You started your journey as a coach, as an author, as a successful podcaster. I'd love to just hear about that journey and how the journey of building a business and growing it and ultimately exiting it in a successful way led you to where you are today. I'm 48, so it's a long story, but I'll give you the highlights. I was actually a philosophy undergrad and graduate student. I found my passion young. Um, I took my first philosophy classes in college and just fell in love, knew I wanted to do it. Got into graduate school and realized quickly I didn't want to be a professor. I didn't want to write very, very high level, unreachable content to people who would understand it and really not reach very many other people. And I don't know why, but I had this flashbulb clarity somewhere in the middle of my program and realized this was just really not for me. So I left my grad program and I was coming back through Chicago. <laughs> I wasn't really thinking I was going to be a healthcare tech entrepreneur, to be totally honest. My father figured out once you have kidney stones, how to prevent them from coming back. My brother loves business more than anything, was planning to leave his job and take a risk and run this business as my father was giving us his intellectual property, but was not planning to spend his days there. Pretty cool, given that we were 24 and 26 now that I look back. Yeah, yeah, he gave us his life's work. <laughs> and I got the entrepreneurial bug. I wasn't as excited about healthcare exactly, but the technology, the design, we innovated like crazy. And I loved building. I loved creating. I loved finding solutions, doing things differently, um, viewing things from a different perspective, which is very similar to philosophy. I realized years later, 
So we created a healthcare tech company using the latest, greatest technology of the 90s for any tech geeks out there. It was a .NET c platform. It was really cool. And we brought my father's standard of care out to doctors nationally, and we commercialized his intellectual property. That business, we realized, was replicatable. So the ability to manage patients with chronic illness, we were a laboratory, um, and we did the actual testing. We databased it in a way that was very helpful for physicians. We were doing at-home testing. Nobody had done that before. We created that. And so we took this model and we replicated it in a second disease state, and we realized this thing really could keep repeating. We thought maybe we'd get some venture money or do something, but um, a phone rang one day, <laughs> to be totally honest. And an executive at LabCorp America, a Fortune 500 company, uh, publicly traded, gave us a ring. And next thing I knew, we were off to the races, going through diligence, selling the company, where I then became an executive of the Fortune 500. And we were on task to then repeat this business model I don't know. They said something like 25 times, which kind of sucked the oxygen out of the air for me as a builder and a creator. <laughs> I just did not see my future in replicating this thing over and over, especially in a very, very large company. I was stereotypically the entrepreneur that couldn't handle being in a corporate environment. I knew within a couple months, this wasn't going to be a long road for me. So I started thinking about next steps. And that's when this this reality really hit me that I had been learning how to be successful and learning a lot about how to travel the road of checking boxes, making things happen, getting things done. But going back to that intuition about what do I want, what makes me happy, where is my purpose, that had gotten a little rusty. So I left my company with the goal of finding something more authentic. I didn't realize at the time that that was going to lead to this whole next body of work where I wrote a book and have a podcast all based in authenticity. But yeah, that was the journey. Oh, wow. I'm wondering how long was that journey? Building the business, building the team, growing yourself within that? It was uh, 12 years from beginning to end. Okay. So you shared it about a minute and a half and it was a 12 year journey. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> What insights did you take from the process of leading that organization? What did I take with me? I thought when I left that I was really doing a full shift. It didn't, in my mind, reflect too much of entrepreneurship. But in fact, right in the end, I was creating my own brand, my own business. Most of what I learned in the business environment, I was really applying. The things that I think really stand out that I brought, it was a discipline, to be totally honest. When you're an entrepreneur, a lot of people, especially nowadays, they want to work in cafes and they want like a certain lifestyle. I don't really believe that's how successful entrepreneurs get <laughs> the success they desire. It's your business and nobody is checking your hours. So I really did have a regimented discipline with my business. I showed up every single day, no matter what, by 8 a.m. And I never left before 6 p.m. And I didn't take much vacation. I put in a really hard day's work all the time. Which is interesting, because I think, as you mentioned, when you think about going off on your own and building something, it's working at the hours that you want. It's maybe taking vacation. And for you, instead of altering the way in which you work, you kept that as a structure to help build this next phase of your journey. Yeah. What did you leave behind and were happy to leave behind? 
<laughs> management, <laughs> I'll say first and foremost, anybody who's managed a lot, a lot of people, it's very, 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 very tiring. While I love leading people and it's a lot of demand on you, you're the bottleneck if there's questions or things that come up and you have to be available and you have to have the answer all the time. Yeah, it makes a big difference. The other thing I left behind was, while I really love building and creating, healthcare wasn't the place that I felt passionate about. So it really does make a difference. Oh, so it's not even just doing what you love, it's doing what you love about something that's exciting, engaging, fulfilling. It's, it's like somebody's paying you to think about something that you would think about just for the fun of it. <laughs> As you were talking about what you were happy to leave behind, it was the managing, but then you said, but leading was awesome. What's the distinction that you make between leading and managing? Because it's a discussion that many people have is what is the distinction between leading and managing? I'm curious to hear what your distinction is between the two. Having the ability to vision with my brother, something that doesn't exist, sit down over a coffee, muddle out the details between the two of us, bring it out to the teams, think about how that might come together. All that creativity, all that intuition, all the research that goes into it, uh, the conversations, and then the leadership of like getting everybody to see it, buy into it, feel inspired, excited, right? I, I really, really, really worked hard to make sure the people working on stuff could understand why we were going in that direction, what the vision was, why we were so excited. And then watching that all come to fruition that to me, there's really nothing better than that. You dream it and then one day it's there. The management policies, procedures, that stuff I find fatiguing. I mean, I'm very proud that the most junior person working with me had been there 10 years, so I was good at it. I kept teams together, but it just requires an extraordinary amount of time and there's a lot of negativity. I used to say it was like whack-a-mole, like you just kind of thought, okay, to get to the other side of this management conversation and they're necessary you can't skip them but you think okay i'm, I'm gonna get a break and then it's just like there's another one it's just like it's like never ending so i definitely don't miss that i'm so glad you shared that because so often when i talk to leaders they don't always talk about the tougher real side of managing people and that ultimately it is a lot of energy, it is a lot of effort, and it is a significant percentage of every single week that doesn't go away and keeps showing up complex because you have people, right? And like, we all have our own issues as individuals. Imagine bringing a group of people together. They're gonna yeah, yeah. bring up their own issues. And so it's one of those things that I, I often caution leaders who are promoting other leaders to say, does the person that you're promoting actually wanna lead people? Yeah. And behind closed doors, most leaders will acknowledge that it's just draining and difficult, but it's necessary and you value people and you don't want it to come off that you're not compassionate to these real topics that are coming up for people. I mean, they want to know that their job is secure. They don't have control over who their team is. And so when they can't function well with somebody, it's concerning and frustrating. They want to come home happy. It's important, but you're also just a person, right? And you have your limits and you have your own feelings about things, right? All of that stuff has to happen all the time on top of the work. So, you know, it's just some days you just want to like do the work and go home too. <laughs> yep. I think you, you said it's, you have no one else that you can talk to. I feel like you've hit on two big misnomers of leadership, which is one, it, it's tough and tiring and takes time. And two is it's lonely. 
It is. Um, and often you can't say to your staff, I'm feeling really insecure about the direction we're going in. And I don't know that this is going to work. Right? Like nobody wants to hear that. Hmm. And I'm kind of going back to one of the things you said earlier, you mentioned your purpose. And it sounds like there is this like inner driving force that has been your guiding light. You've listened to yourself really well. Did you know that was there at all times? Yeah, it's funny. Things would come by and I would just kind of know. And I don't know what that was, but it was this really deep and clear um, intuition that I would hold. But when I went to entrepreneurship, while I had all this success, that was when I kind of lost a little connection to the purpose part. And that's where the book came out of. Emotional obesity was really my own guide back to myself. I had spent so many years finding a life that was successful and doing things that would result in outcomes that were exciting, but I wasn't really tapping as much into my intuition and what I needed as much as it was like, this is just a really smart path to go down. And when I left and I was thinking, okay, what do I wanna do now? It was like a muscle that hadn't been used in a while. I couldn't quite access it. And that's where that idea came. It was like, there was layers of how I should be or what I should do or what would make sense. My next step after being an entrepreneur probably should be this, or this would be the next logical thing. And I realized my mind was filled with this way of interacting with myself that precluded me from connecting to my intuitive self and that sort of purpose, which you know, became a couple year study back to self. And at some point though, even before that journey, it sounds like you had to have some alignment with some sort of intuition to make this decision to go from what I'm presuming is a lucrative corporate job at a fortune 500 company to, I don't know, I guess I'll figure it out. This isn't for me because <laughs> yeah. that is the path that is not necessarily easy to take and scary. And I'm just thinking about our audience who's listening to this and thinking about wherever they're at in their business, how did you come to that realization with a muscle that hadn't been used in so long? Yeah, no, that's really fair. And while I wasn't sure what the, what do I want next step was, um, there was this like bubbling up. And when I interview people on my podcast, you know, about living a life that feels purposeful to them, there's a very common theme. Things were okay. And then there was this bubbling up where, it just, things stopped feeling right to me. I was feeling anxious. I was having some panic attacks. I was like, I just, my body, I wasn't feeling aligned and centered. So while it wasn't gone, when we started to do the second business and I was repeating and I wasn't creating anymore is when it started to fall apart for me because the part that was exciting to me in entrepreneurship was going away. I was taking the same model, replicating it. It's not creative. And that was really what was holding me there. But when we left and I was part of this Fortune 500 and there was just nothing that was aligned with who I am, that discomfort, that internal discomfort got louder and louder. And I do honor myself enough in life to notice it. So it became the topic to jour with everybody in my life. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't know if I can do this. And I just kept kind of flipping out about it until I decided to honor that and take the leap out. And as I was sitting on an airplane coming home from a client site with my brother, 
lamenting about how I was going to make this <laughs> oh so important decision that I decided was the center of the universe once again. And he was patiently listening. And he just turned to me and he was like, look, the world's a big place. Like you can do something else. And there was something about the simplicity, right? That just hit me. <laughs> it's like, it is a big place. And I just started crying and I'm like, I don't cry. And I'm like 30,000 feet in the air on a plane. And I'm like crying and I'm like, I can go, I can do this. And like, it was this moment of permission and his simplicity. I had just gone into yoga and spirituality and all that stuff. The, the few years before I was pretty, I was like five, six years into it and meditation. And it was getting me more and more in touch with myself and what I wanted and honoring myself. And I started reading about the universe and how if you allow yourself to open yourself to what could be, it's possible, it might happen. So I sat back in that airplane and I was like, you know what? I want to go. I can't figure it out. I'm going to open myself up to the endless possibilities. I want to leave by the end of summer and we'll just like let this play out. I'll stop trying to white knuckle the whole thing. This is on the same flight where your brother said it's a big world and you were crying and then like. Yep. I sat back and I was like, you know what universe? I keep reading about this. I'm going to relinquish control. I'm going to let this go. And I'm just going to like watch for the opportunity to present itself. And believe it or not, that was like May. My son was starting preschool and my nanny was quitting after three years and I didn't have an alternative. And in mid-July, my brother called me and said, I've got a situation where you can leave, but we have to decide in the next 48 hours. And that's how I left my career and, and my job. And you left. Did you have a plan? I had no plan. The company had purchased us, had hiring and firing seasons. They would let you hire for a few months and then they would tell you the number that you had to get rid of. Um, and so we got our number and it was very large. And so by my leaving, it would save a lot of jobs, but I, I literally had the weekend to, to decide. <laughs> it was not how I had envisioned. I thought I, I would leave over months and organize everything. It was my company. It was everything I built, I, right? Like it was my baby. We built the business, the building, everything. But it again, it just felt aligned and it felt like the right decision. So I did it. And I went in Monday. I talked to everybody. There was tears and a quick barbecue. And I gave my key at the end of the day and was escorted out because I was part of a Fortune 500. Oh my God. It's giving me anxiety to even think about it. <laughs> I'm like thinking about, so then you woke up Tuesday and what, what the heck happened? Like, I woke up Tuesday. What did you do Tuesday? What was it like? Was it scary? Was it exciting? Was it all the above? I woke up Tuesday and I remember distinctly walking downstairs back then there was blackberries and they would blink red to tell you, you know, there was emails, which was the very first thing I would think to do. And I went over and looked at it, but my email, I didn't have a second email at this point. I was just so, so focused on my work. I don't even know how many friends I even had, but I opened up my email because it was blinking red and I had just gotten a Gmail account and there was one little gap bad in there and <laughs> that was it. I had no emails, which was insane for me after years and years of hundreds. And I took my son for the day, which to be totally honest with you, it was the first full day that I had taken to be with him. We went to the aquarium and we sat over lunch at this restaurant that you and I went to with Colonial. And I just had this beautiful, relaxed day with my kid and, and no emails. It was very bizarre. And so, you know, then the rest of the story, I feel like I have a good picture of, right? You wrote 
emotional obesity. You started your Art of Authenticity podcast. You've been coaching leaders and executives. And what I'm wondering is how has the experience of going from grind full out for years and years and years to now kind of getting back to philosophy, spirituality, yoga, and mindfulness and thoughtfulness and and flexing that muscle again. How has that influenced the people that you coach and interact with and speak to and lead in a different way? You know, I want to be clear, like, it wasn't like I walked out and just found it. I spent a year and a half, like, banging my head up against the wall. My friends were like, you're not going to make it four months at home. We know you. You're going to go crazy. I started thinking about business plans for two different businesses. I almost took a job running the integrated healthcare at Northwestern that I was offered. I, like, I can't even tell you all the false starts because I kept thinking, I should leverage what I've done and continue to use the skills I've built, right? Because that would quote make sense. So I really had to peel back like these perceived waves of moving through life. And so I think how it's really changed the people I coach and how I write and speak to this stuff is I speak to that that next layer, right? I I know there's success models out there and, you know, we could talk about how many hours do you put in and and what are project management software systems look like, but all that stuff is pretty superficial. The next layer of how do you stay in your purpose? How do you find things that inspire, excite, ignite you? How do you do things that um, you feel you're really contributing the deepest part of who you are? Like, I think each of us has unique talents and gifts that we can offer to the world. So, you know, I work really hard with clients to come from that perspective and I call it the inside out model, but it's like, right, instead of looking around the world and just trying to place yourself somewhere, really look within yourself to figure out like a mission statement. Who am I at my core and what do I do best? And we build out um, some sentences on what that means. And then we look into the world where would then I fit best. (laughs) And does that excite me and ignite me? And how do I know what it feels like to feel excited and ignited, not just following logical, prescriptive, this makes sense and this will pay the bills and blah, blah, blah. Not that those things aren't important, right? If they are important to you, but you want to start with finding that passion and purpose. So I really feel that that's become the core of what I teach and think about. And the other stuff is more the sort of second level superficial. I like that you said, it's not that these other things aren't important, but you have to start somewhere. And starting with your purpose, starting with what excites and ignites you. We're all born with a connection to ourselves, right? Like life kind of kicks us in and out of our ability to really hold that space. Fear keeps us from holding that space. Other people's opinions about who we should be or how much money we should earn and all that stuff keeps us out of that space. And so I think a life where you are clear, I want to earn a certain amount to pay the bills because that's important to me. Other people will say, I don't care if I live in a studio as long as I'm doing this one thing because I love it so much. But getting clear with yourself um, and knowing what that feels like in your body because it's not your, your mind, it's not logic, it's true. Yeah, what do you mean by feels like in your body? Yeah, so I always do this test, right? Um, you're, you're married, right? Yep. You love your wife? Yeah, very much so. How do you know? Um, as soon as you started saying you're married, right, my heart started pounding. Right, so are you sure? There's no question in the world. So that 
that sensibility that you're talking about, if I had you really start to explain that, you couldn't. It's just so clear to you though, that no matter how many times I say to you, you don't really, it's not really true. You don't really, you're not, you'd be like, yes, I do. And you're crazy. <laughs> like, I am, like, Go fuck yourself. I know what's going on here. Yeah, I'm positive. But to explain that like true north, that absolute like clarity within yourself when you know you're exactly where you need to be, isn't verbal. It's really an experience within. So I always challenge people to find the person that they love the most or something that they love to do. And then what does that feel like in their body? And then ask themselves, well, what else in my day feels that way? <laughs> Where else do I feel that absolute yes? It doesn't mean that it's easy, but your question of like, am I where I need to be? Is this what I want, right? Knowing what that feels like and honoring that, I think is the most important thing. Such an amazing and yet kind of simple way to, to start the journey. Yeah, it is because we're born to do it. If you have kids or you have kids around you, when you're like, do you like broccoli? They're like, no. I mean, they are so clear. And you're like, do you like pizza? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Right? Like there's no confusing them. We were all born that way. And if you're like, why do you like pizza? you I just like pizza right like they they are very 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 clear they don't need to explain it or justify it or whatever education and and the world causes us to do that to to a point where people start to feel like they question themselves on everything do oh you you went to the movies this weekend you saw a movie that you liked yeah oh really why did you say it like that well I just I read some reviews and it wasn't that good <laughs> people are like oh well, I, I liked it. I mean, I, right? it's like we can, we can take away people's experience so quickly by telling them how they're wrong for a bunch of reasons. And it, it's very strange. And so learning how to hold your own truth, not caring about what that means. And it doesn't mean, right, like you don't have to bring it into the real world. Um, I may feel very strongly that there's a business I want to create, but then I have to have the finances and the skill sets and everything to make that happen but I just want to start from that place of, of a steel beam of clarity. I feel like that is such a, like a beautiful bow on this conversation. Um, as I think about just other leaders listening to this and, and trying to get clear for themselves on what excites them, what fills them up, even if they're working at some fast growing, exciting company or whatever they're doing. Um, your story is one where you have that all, um, that dream that so many people look for is like financial success and business success and, and you know, and, and selling a company. Um, and yet your, your solid pillar is, is listening to yourself and coming back to that. And I'm just, I'm really grateful to have met you and continue these conversations. They're so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and allowing me to share in this platform with you and your audience. Thank you, Laura, and uh, looking forward to more conversations in the future. Beautiful. Want to hear more great stories like this one? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy this episode, leave us a review. And as always, you can drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Cheers and have a great day.